0: What if you had a guide who could tell you how to bridge a gap between who you are today and who you're destined to be? What if each week you could hear a story of someone who has tried and succeeded, or perhaps tried and failed, but learned something in the process? Limitless Spirit is a weekly podcast where host Helen Todd interviews guests about topics and personal stories on defining life's purpose, pursuing personal growth, and developing a deeper faith in Christ. To the Jewish audience that Jesus is talking to to his disciples, there's this hierarchical structure. There is a performance mindset that comes through a ritualistic religious mindset of do this, then get this. And so their ideas of what the kingdom should look like and what a Messiah should look like, let's not forget that. They're looking for some uh, militaristic leader to come and wipe out Rome, wipe out the Roman Empire, and then reestablish another kingdom. In typical Jesus fashion, He comes at this from a completely different angle and blows their mind. And and in the process, He blows up any notion of their power structure or any list-keeping, rule-keeping measurement that might give them an opportunity to have the power that they seek or the influence that that they're craving.
1: When Jesus was asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, He said, that unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In another chapter, he says, the greatest among you must be a servant to all. And again, in Matthew 20, 16, Jesus says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. This is what I like to call the upside down kingdom. It requires of us exactly the opposite of what the world expects of us, so what does it mean to become like little children, and what does it take to enter the kingdom of heaven? Welcome to the Limitless Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Todd. In this episode, I talk with Eric Scott, who is the campus pastor at the King's University in South Lake Texas and is also a speaker at our upcoming That's Kingdom conference. We talk about the verse that he's teaching from at the conference, about what we can learn from today's generation of children, and what we should strive to teach them. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Limitless Spirit podcast. Hello, Eric. Welcome to the Limitless Spirits Podcast. Is it snowing there in Dallas area?
0: Well hi, Helen. Uh, yes, ma'am we we survived um, a winter storm here for for us. you know it's bad weather for you guys up in Missouri. You probably laugh at us, but uh, it stopped snowing this morning, and my kids went outside for about I don't know, five or 10 minutes. And that was just long enough for them to realize that they didn't belong out there and they wanted to go back in pretty quick. But yeah, we we made it just fine.
1: You know, I got up real early this morning and um, I I actually was not, I don't think that much snow was in the forecast. And I looked out and I just saw this sparkle, how the snow was sparkling. And that was, it was so untouched, you know, and the light, I think, uh, hit it just right to where it just started sparkling. And that made me think of, you know, God's, the beauty of God's creation, nothing can quite match it. And um, that puts me right now in the mood for the subject of our conversation. And that is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so this has been the theme uh, for us as we're preparing for the conference, the Greater Purpose Conference in the end of March. And so uh, you will be one of the speakers. And just like all the speakers during the conference, you got a theme verse. And this is interesting because this is the first time we're doing this. We're giving our speakers a theme verse. And so what is your verse again, Eric?
0: I'll be preaching from Matthew chapter 18 and verse number three, where where Jesus is asked, by his disciples to, to describe who's going to be greatest in the kingdom. And, uh, he does something pretty surprising in that, in that context there. And, um, and kind of, he blows their mind as he's, you know, he always does when he's, when he's asked questions like this. And it's a really fascinating, um, exchange that Jesus has with his disciples there. Matthew 18. And let me just say, Helen, I'm really excited. First of all, I love, uh, you know, I, my, for the, for the for your listeners who don't know, you know where I come from. I'm I serve at the King's University, and uh, the King's University. Our legacy. Uh, we were founded by Pastor Jack Hayford. Many of your listeners may know Pastor Jack, and a staple of Jack Hayford's teaching uh, was about the Kingdom of God and the Kingdom way. And you know, Pastor Jack was a man who was he carried great influence uh, in his in his the height of his ministry influence. He was known around the world. And uh, met with numerous presidents and and world leaders, had all kinds of notoriety and influence in the body of Christ and and even in the marketplace as well. And so, when the, when our university was founded, a, a lot of people pushed him to you know follow suit with other institutions and and name it after him. as kind of a, a legacy to J, to Pastor Jack and his ministry. And and I have you know there's nothing when nothing wrong when a leader does that. I mean, uh, it's it's fitting to give honor where it's due. Pastor Jack's heart was no. The, the university was never my idea. It was always Jesus's idea, and so it's it's the King's. It belongs to the King, and so we're a place that we deeply value this topic. It, it's central to who we are, and so I'm excited. I'm really, really excited to be um, with WMA again uh, at this conference. I'm, I'm also excited because you had me speak last year, and you asked me to come back, and that means that I didn't do too terrible. So I'm, I'm excited that I get to come back and and uh, and, <laughs> and preach again. But this topic is near and dear to my heart, and I I just am really, really excited that this is what you've chosen.
1: You know, I didn't even think about the name of the university in the context. I'm so thankful that you brought it up, and I didn't realize that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God was the central theme of Pastor Jack's ministry. But, um, you know, before we dig a little deeper into the verse that you're preaching on, and we're obviously not going to let you reveal everything that you're going to share because we want (laughs) to stay a little hungry, you know, for your um, actual message during the conference. But let's, let's talk about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. It's, it's a theme, you know, through the Bible and it's mentioned. And yet I don't think anybody can claim um, even, you know, the deepest theologians can claim that they have it figured out. It's sort of a mysterious concept, don't you think?
0: I would agree. I would definitely agree. And I think that it's even for most believers today, um, when we talk about the kingdom, it can kind of sometimes feel like a, a cliche. Like it's one of the like we talk about the body of Christ or we talk about the bride of Christ. Those are those are phrases that are common in church. The kingdom of God is a phrase that we, we use often. And I think sometimes we we miss the weight of that statement and just how important it is for us to understand that this was this concept was the central aspect of Jesus's teaching in his time on earth obviously we know he came to be the lamb slain from the foundations of the world he came to be our uh, substitute and to be our our one and and only um, sacrifice for the sins of the world but his teachings we should give a lot of of weight and gravity to what it was that Jesus wanted us to know about who he was, who the Father was, and and this way of the kingdom that we were to be citizens of. And what we see time and time again, and it's evident in this passage as well, the kingdom way is not the way of the rest of the world. And uh, God's ways, uh, he says this in the Old Covenant, he says My ways are higher than yours. My thoughts are higher than yours. I'm on a different playing field here. And so sometimes we superimpose our wishes for what the kingdom should look like uh, on this concept of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is over and over again in his teachings trying to help us understand and trying to help his audience that he's speaking to understand that the kingdom way is not what you have been looking for, what you may expect it to look like. And his his plan for the world and his plan for his for his followers is going to is going to be different from what we might have suspected uh, it to look like. And that's a central theme, and we have to we have to grab hold of that because it is evident everywhere in Jesus's teachings.
1: This is very very good point. And you know, another thing that struck me um, it's so interesting when I when I do these podcasts on a certain subject um later i realized how much i learn <laughs> from the people that i talk to you know and and so i it's it's just an added benefit of doing this but um so i've been interviewing several people now since we've started these series and um uh, i i get this um pressing sense that what what i'm learning um not learning maybe but emphasizing for me during this season is that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is not a distant concept. You know,
0: it's so true. um, Yes, ma'am. It's not
1: something out out there, there where God is. And it's not something in the future, you know, when the kingdom of heaven is completely revealed, you know, in, in the present world. Yes, that is all true, but it's also here among us. It's with us. That's what Jesus said. It's with you. Ever since he came, you know, he brought a piece of that to us. And so though we're living in an imperfect world, we are also living in the kingdom of heaven. And I think that's something that we don't always realize or focus on.
0: I agree a hundred percent, Helen. I think I would take that a step further. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God has never not been active. It has never, uh, it, it's been a mystery to us. It's been something that's been beyond our ability to even comprehend what God is doing in the earth. But the kingdom of heaven, it's it, we sometimes think that that God's purpose and plan for the world stopped the minute that Adam and Eve bit into that fruit. Like it's boom. Then heaven just kind of came crashing down and then God went into crisis mode and he's like, now what am I going to do? And, you know, then he got really confused and Jesus said, here, I've got a plan. Let me come and and fix it all for you, dad. Just I'll I'll go down there and and do things like this. And then we can maybe hit reboot or reset on the king. No, the kingdom was always active. The Bible is very clear. Jesus was the lamb slain. From the foundation, from the very, very beginning, God's plan for redemption was very grace-filled and very merciful to give us a chance to try to do things, uh, the very simple one rule that he gave us, just don't eat from that tree. Uh, we couldn't do it. And then all throughout the the Old Testament, it's over and over and over again where God is very gracious, very long-suffering, very patient with his people. But the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God was never not active. And it's still it's still a mystery to us. Uh, it's still very difficult for us to understand what God is up to sometimes, all the time, really. But but His kingdom is alive, it is active, it is present, and it always has been. It's, there's never not been a time where the kingdom of God was not active in the earth. And that's such an important point for us to realize.
1: You know, I'm looking at the verse, at the context of the verse that um, is going to be your theme verse, and I think it perfectly illustrates what you just said a few minutes ago, that it's not like we imagine it's it's nothing like we imagine because the the question that the disciples ask him is who then is the is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven they're still thinking from the worldly perspective of the kingdom you know that that has that hierarchy and and somehow they're trying to figure out how can i Gain this highest rank <laughs> so they're right. hoping for a pointer from Jesus and look how he twists this whole thing
0: Absolutely you're 100% right um you know it's very important for us to understand the context of of Jesus's time um, for a number of reasons um, but but he's we get a snapshot of the conversations that Jesus is having with people in real places at real time in a real geographic region um and sometimes we all you know because we're in our Western mindset, we always think that, that the Bible was written for us. Um, it, is, it is for our benefit, of course, but these are real exchanges and real interactions, eyewitness examples of what Jesus is saying in a real time, in a real context. And so, to the, Jew, to the Jewish audience that Jesus is talking to, to his disciples, you're right. There is this, there's this hierarchical structure that they have uh, been embedded in. There is a performance mindset that comes through legalism, comes through a a ritualistic religious mindset of do this, then get this. If I follow these rules and my ability to adhere to these standards is what will dictate the access or the favor or the blessing of God in my life. They're very performance, very rigid, very ritualistic minded people. And so their ideas of what the kingdom should look like and what a Messiah should look like, let's not forget that. They're looking for some powerful, uh, influential, uh, militaristic leader to come and wipe out Rome, wipe out the Roman Empire, wipe out all of the other power structures that have been in, that have been in, in in play with the Roman Empire. They're looking for some leader to come and wipe all that out and then reestablish another kingdom. And It's like we, they're, they're going to they're expecting that, that Jesus is going to wipe this out and then build a better box, build a better structure uh, than the one that they're currently living in. And then they might have a chance, based on their ability to follow the rules, because they're in close with Jesus, they might have a chance to have a really high rank uh, in that kingdom. And that's exactly where these, these questions are coming from. And then again, in typical Jesus fashion, he comes at this from a completely different angle and blows their mind. And, and in the process, he blows up any notion of their power structure, of their performance mindset or any list-keeping, rule-keeping measurement that might give them an opportunity to have the power that they seek or the influence that they're, that they're craving. Because again, these are people that, that are not the, the, the powerful or the influential in their communities, in their structure, uh, or in their government. They're, they're on the outside. They're the marginalized. And so they're hoping that maybe Jesus will give them a chance to move into where, to the palaces or to move into these other power structures. And again, he, he comes at this from a completely different angle.
1: And, you know, not much has changed since then, because even even when we become saved, I think that um, human nature is just structured and, and leans towards the legalism and the performance based religion, you know. And so I think that sometimes, even today, we think that to become the best Christian, to become the most spiritual person, we have to go through this set of things, you know, or we have to acquire the greatest knowledge or follow certain rules to the best of our abilities. And uh, again, I think that uh, this is a very sober statement that Jesus says, Um, unless you become like little children, you will never even enter the kingdom of heaven. Not only you will not gain the highest position there, you just are not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, um, uh, and of course, then he goes on to say that whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest. So then he also outlines that there is a hierarchy but it's completely upside down. I like to think of the kingdom of God, Eric, as the upside down kingdom, that where everything is exactly opposite to what it is on the earth. And I think this is one of the verses that illustrates that, um, that the greatest is the lowliest.
0: Uh, Helen, are you sure you don't want to preach this? Whenever ah, I can, no, because I think <laughs> I have you, my
1: own verse, Eric. <laughs>
0: <laughs> because I mean, I, I think we're saying the same things. I, I mean, I couldn't say it any better. I, I mean, what what Jesus is doing here, he is inverting their theology. He is inverting their idea of success, of power, of how to how to achieve those concepts or those constructs. He's completely upsetting their apple cart. And um, it's an upside down funnel. Um, He is not trying uh, again. A a performance mindset is is us trying to get to God, is us trying to to climb the ladder uh, and and to obtain more, uh, or for us to try and 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 gain more and more and more influence, whether it be in in secular status or in our our community status or whatever. We're we're constantly trying to climb. And so the funnel is for us to start with little. And climb up and get more. But Jesus is inverting that funnel because what we have on this plane in our very temporal existence, we have nothing to offer. We have nothing to give the God of the universe who has everything. But what Jesus is here to do is he's trying to get what is way bigger and way weightier and of way more substance and value, the way of God, the way of heaven into us. So he is, ups, he, is, he is turning that funnel. Instead of us trying to climb up and get to, to heaven, he is trying to get heaven down to us, and he's trying to help us to see that the way to do that is, is through humility, is through trust, is through a, a posture of, of absolute dependence on, on him and on his ways and not our own strength. I mean, if, if someone is asking the question of how do I obtain, how do I earn, how do I achieve? They're asking what steps do I need to take in my own strength and ability in order to accomplish this task or in order to accomplish or achieve this rank. A child can't do that. When we're children, we are completely dependent on someone else to provide for us. We are and also frankly, I try as a parent, I try to give my my children, I try to value their opinion. I want to listen to them and I want I want them to to be able to speak up and, and tell me how what they think or what how they feel or what they want. But at the end of the day. Uh, my wife and I, we make the decision on what's best for our kids, and and they may or may not like the outcome of that, but but they're going to, hopefully, they'll trust us that we know what's best for them. That's the posture of a child, and that's what Jesus is saying here. You're trying to climb, earn, achieve, and do things in your own strength. Your posture, your heart has to change um, because your, your, your strength is not enough, and you, if you posture yourself to trust, that's the only way that you'll ever be able to enter into the fullness of the kingdom.
1: You know, in preparation for this interview, and I've been thinking about this verse and ended up having an unexpected phone call for from my friend in Moldova, uh, that she and her husband are pastors of a church, and they have two kids that are in their late teens and early 20s, and then a surprise child who is, I think he might be seven or eight years old. And so she was telling me about... um him and something, he had some kind of a problem at school. And so she, she was trying to discipline him, but in a way where, you know, she didn't yell at him or punish him. She was just explaining to him why he shouldn't have done what he did. And she said, he's at this age right now where he completely trusts us, my husband and I, he's like, whatever we tell him, it's like, he's walking in a cloud with us he completely trusts that whatever we say is good even if it's something that he doesn't like and i thought wow this is just like exactly what the scripture is telling us you know that type of trust where even even god's punishment we accept as a good thing because because he's perfectly good and and whatever he says or whatever he does is just perfectly good do you think that's what um Jesus is talking about, uh, saying become like little children.
0: Yes, ma'am. I think that, I don't, I don't think that Jesus is telling us that children are, are the archetype of maturity. I don't think that he's telling us that children are, uh, he's necessarily pointing to their innocence or their, their nobility or their, their sinlessness, any, any, any of those aspects of, um, of, of being a child or their, um, just kind of their, their, their way of viewing the world is. Is very serendipitous, or, or just not having a concept of, of of what it means to be an adult. I don't think that he's he's pointing to that. What I think he is pointing to here is that a child um, it doesn't have any uh, hope of providing for themselves um, beyond a certain point. Um, it's really funny. My, I have I have two kids. My my daughter's twelve. My son's five. And so they're on different spectrums. They're on different playing fields. Uh, my twelve-year-old, she's she's kind of right there on that you know verge of being a teenager. I often make the, the joke. She's she's living a Britney Spears song right now. She's she's not a girl, not yet a woman. So she's 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 right there on the cusp of all that. And so she's trying to get herself all dolled up, and she she doesn't want me to you know fix her hair, put her hair in. Put she wants to do that for herself. She's trying to step into this uh, new level of independence, but there is there are limits to how much she can do for herself as a 12-year-old. But her capacity is, is a little greater than her brother's. As a five-year-old, we're picking his clothes out. We're having to still help him go to the bathroom. We're still picking his, clo- his food out for him. We're preparing his meals. Uh, Bailey could probably fend for herself a little bit longer than my son could, my, than Maverick could. But Maverick is completely helpless. And that's, I think that's what Jesus is pointing to here. Is you're asking a, he's, ask, he's, he's telling his disciples in a very gentle and very kind and very loving way, he's saying, you're asking the wrong question. You're, you're looking at this completely the wrong way. And, and I think that's why in response to their question, this is really this is something I hope to kind of draw out a little bit more. But in response to their power hunger, in response to their, uh, their, their grasp for influence, Jesus's response to them is to call a child. And uh, I, don't, I hope we don't miss that part there, is that Jesus looks over at another generation and calls them to him. Because the, the generation that, that has been walking with him for all these years as he's been talking about the kingdom, they're still asking the wrong question. And so Jesus looks past that generation and he sees a child and says, Come here. And then he puts that child in the center of the conversation. Um, I think if we're not careful, Helen, um, we could be looking at at what our role in the kingdom is the wrong way. And God may look past us and call another generation to the center. And and and, and, and so I think Jesus is making a real statement here. He's saying that there is a humility that is missing in your question, but it's represented in this generation. And um, we may not always think about the generations behind us as as being humble, um, but I think that that what Jesus is trying to help us see is that our grasping for power, our grasping for influence, if we're not careful— is going to be the very thing that keeps us from being able to usher in the revival that we all want, the explosive growth of souls into the kingdom that we all want to see. It's not going to come by us trying to climb our way or, or scratch, kick, and claw our way to more influence in this temporal realm. Uh, it's going to come through a posture of sincere obedience and complete trust and total humility. And so that's, I think, there's a real gesture of what Jesus is doing here that he's saying, you need to pay attention to, to to the people that you may keep outside of the circle that you think aren't big. Enough. You know, we always when we go to dinner, we always have the kids' table. Um, and I grew up as a pastor's kid, and so I never forget the, the 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 migration that happened when I moved from the kids' table to the adult table. <laughs> and I really and I real I thought that this was going to be a a real mom, momentous occasion. Then I realized are talking about stuff that's really boring. I'd like to go back over there to the kids' table. <laughs> but but anyway, uh, but no, that movement from from being the, the kids' table, they're always kind of off being kids so that the adults can talk. Let the, let the grownups talk, right? But well, Jesus is saying, yeah, the marginalized, the people that you've pushed to the outside that you think can't handle these conversations, I'm going to bring them front and center uh, because there's something in them that is a, a demonstrative aspect of what the kingdom is all about. And so if you don't have it, I'll find it somewhere else. Uh, and, and I'll exalt, you're asking about greatness. I will elevate and I will exalt who I want to, um, not based on how well they can climb or, or scratch their way to the top, but based on their posture of humility and their trust in me and how dependent they are in my ways being higher than theirs.
1: I think it is interesting because in your um, professional life, you are entrusted with the next generation. You're the campus pastor of the King's University. Um, uh, the the people, the flock, your flock, they may not be children, but they're on this on the border, you know, between mm-hmm. between the uh, youth and adulthood. And so, I, I'm sure that as the campus pastor and spending so much time with them. Um, you can see within them the qualities that as adults we can learn. You know, we, we have so many ways to define the generations. And, and I think the, the students of today, they're the generation Z and maybe even the next generation coming up. Um, and so there are cultural definitions for that generation. But, um, what are some of the things that you think we can learn from them?
0: well I think uh, I love that question uh, Helen, and I'm constantly learning um from from the students that I have the privilege of of being around every day and what what I see and of course uh, we have to be careful because there's a lot of, of nuance with with this generation um, because uh you know geography plays a big part in things and then just their their exposure to um to, the, you know, the, the way the world works. And, and so we, we can't look at them as a monolith, that they're all the same, um, because they're not. They're extremely, extremely diverse. A matter of fact, you know, a lot of sociologists tell us that this generation, that this emerging generation that you referred to as Gen Z, it, w- it will be the most diverse uh, generation in the history of the country, uh, in, our, in our context, in the United States. And, and, uh, and, then, and then globally, this generation is going to be the most connected generation uh, in the history of mankind that we know of, in the sense that uh, they're, they're constantly able, uh, they have the ability, they've, and they've never known a time in their lives that they didn't have the ability to access news, information, or even contact someone else from around the world at any given time. So this is a very connected generation, and, and this is a generation that uh, has, has always um, been, been raised around diversity, diversity of thought, diversity of opinion, and those types of things, and so so we have to kind of make sure that we we don't necessarily try to paint with a broad stroke when we're talking about them. Having said that, in my in my limited exposure with the students that I get to serve, what I get to see is a, stu- is, a is a generation of students or a group of students that are coming in eyes wide open, and they really, really, really want to be involved. They really want to be able to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. Um, and I think we saw that we've seen that kind of turn a corner a lot over the past uh, eighteen months after COVID. And what we're seeing in our students, there's still some apprehension in a lot of different ways as far as international travel and things like that, um, it, it, which is a whole other topic for another podcast, I guess. But but what I see in our students is that they're just they're really hungry to to be able to serve the needs of other people. In doing so, what they because of the diversity of thought and opinion. Uh, that they've been raised around and the different viewpoints and, and all those kinds of things. they're very void of, of truth sometimes. Uh, and, and their willingness to, to to give ear to everyone and to give value uh, to every person can some, sometimes put them in in a position that they're that they're susceptible uh, to being led astray very easily. So they need another generation to come along and lovingly uh, speak truth to them to encourage them to model the way of the kingdom, because their their heart for diversity and their heart uh, to, to be around people who are different from, from maybe the way they were raised or the, the way that they even themselves think, um, it puts them in a position where that they can kind of be easily led astray. So they have to be grounded and they have to be rooted. But once they are, their hearts for God, their hearts for people are so soft uh, that they want to be in a position that they can help Solve, solve problems and serve people. Uh, they're eager to do that. And they and they also just, they, they want somebody to take them by the hand, give them the opportunity to do that and 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 not necessarily say this is how it has to be done, but give them the opportunity to use their creativity to figure out a way to do it that fits their strengths and their abilities. They're eager. This is, a, that's the, if I could sum it up in one word, this is a really eager generation. I hear people talk about how, how this generation is just apathetic. I don't see that. I really don't. I see a generation that if, If you tap into what they're motivated by and you tap into what really fuels them, um, they are extremely, extremely motivated to get things done. They just need someone to show them how to do it.
1: I think this generation has had more access to various information than any generation ahead of them. And their source of information is Google. And so that's why they're exposed to so many different ideas, opinions. Um, they don't need uh, an adult to share it with them. They have access um, to um, a lot more information than any one given adult can give them. But in light of all that, I think it it just places a greater responsibility on us to actually live out our faith, you know, uh, not just to preach the word to them, but be the word, live the word. And and so I think that uh, that way we present the truth and earn their respect. You know, the truth will always speak for itself. They can, uh, if, if they have access to the word of God, I think, you know, they, they the Holy Spirit within them will show them that that is the truth. But um, for us to earn their respect and be able to pour into them, we have to actually live what we preach don't you
0: think i agree 100% and I, and i think it also has a lot to, to do with what we're talking about here um obviously you know we jesus is not saying in this in his instructions to his disciples that we are all um to to put ourselves in this place where uh, no one uh, is is making decisions about how to care for the next generation. So he's not saying for parents, exact, you know, for an example, to just be kids all the time. And, and don't uh, use your influence over your children or for, for leaders and pastors who are older than, than the, the students or the, the, the young adults that are in their congregations to put yourself on the same uh, level of, of experience, maturation, or even influence and decision-making. He's not saying that we should level the field. That's not what his instructions are. He's talking about a posture of the heart. And so to, to your point, as far as living what we preach and, and and putting our faith into action, the way that we can really bring this generation along is to say that I'm learning from you. I have something to learn from you just as much as, as you may have something to learn from me. And and to see the the image of God that's in them to see the spirit of Christ that lives on the inside of them uh the same one that lives in us and to view them through that lens not necessarily to see each young adult each gen z or each student as uh a young person to to fix as a as a problem to solve or you know that they even need need to always be even I would say I would go so far as even to say corrected all the time as much as there is an invitation here for us to humble ourselves and to model for them what the posture of the kingdom looks like and to invite them into a relationship where we are symbiotically learning from each other. Uh, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think it's what this generation craves. Uh, you're, you, you said a moment ago, that they, they can figure out X's and O's on their own. They can, I mean, you give a kid, you know, enough supplies and, and access to the Internet and you'd be surprised what they can build. So they can figure out how to do stuff. But it's the being that they're struggling with. It's the it's the aspects of and, and really it's, it hits the heart of this question that the disciples were asking too. What do we need to do to be the greatest? So if 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 this was a, if there was ever a generation that walked the planet that was that was primed to be, figure out how to quote quote, do something, uh, it was this generation because they're extremely intelligent, very creative, and they they've never not known how to access information. Um, but the, the way of the kingdom is not always about doing; it's about being. It's about trusting, and it's about connecting into God's great big plan for the world. And so we can show them that posture, and then and, and then we can le- leverage their creativity, their knowledge, their their know how, uh, and their and just their ability to get things done to advance these concepts of humility and. And serving the needs of other people, the way of the kingdom, uh, in, in, in a way that's relevant to this generation. So it's, it's all about the posture. So if we, if we will just model that childlike humility in the way that we approach them, in the way that we instruct them, in the way that we listen to them, I think we'd be surprised by how reticent they are to receive from us um, and, ha- and, and how, how willing they are to get involved in what's going on in the body of Christ.
1: Well, I can't wait to hear the full message, Eric. I won't probe you with any more questions, but thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And uh, I hope to see you very soon.
0: Likewise, Helen. Thanks again always for the invitation and for having us back. We're excited for our students to be there to lead worship for the conference. And it's going to be a great time. And we can't wait. Can't wait to see everybody again.
1: I was so encouraged by what Eric had to say about the younger generation and their desire to help people and make a difference in the world. The younger generations may still need the direction and guidance of mature Christians, but mature Christians can learn much and be inspired by the passion and excitement of those younger Christians in our lives. Ultimately, no matter what age we are, The only way to enter and live in the kingdom of heaven is to be in a state of complete dependence on God, just like a child depends on their parents. This requires of us both humility and explicit trust in God, which is impossible to understand without knowing God, knowing who He is. At World Missions Alliance, we believe that change lives change lives. If you feel called to take the gospel message around the world or would like to learn more about what we do, visit our website rfwma.org. While you're on your web our website, check out the Greater Purpose Conference coming up March 30th, 31st and April 1st in Branson, Missouri. If you're looking for a community of people who are passionate about God and the Great Commission, or if you're seeking for your greater purpose and a deeper intimacy with God, Greater Purpose Conference is the place to be. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Limitless Spirit Podcast. Until next time, I'm Helen Todd.
0: Limitless Spirit Podcast is produced by World Missions Alliance. We believe that changed lives change lives. If you want to see your life transformed by Christ's love, or if you want to help those who are hurting and hopeless and discover your greater purpose in serving Christ through short-term missionary work, check out our website, rfwma.org, and find out how to get involved.